Welcome to Composers in a Jukebox, a podcast that brings together a special breed of musicians in the conversations about their craft. Today, we're sitting with the composer of video games such as Baldur's Gate 3 and Divinity Original Sin 2, Borislav Slavov. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> thank you so much. Hello and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's an honor. It's an honor, Borislav. How was the uh, World Soundtrack Awards? I saw you there. Oh, yeah, it was exciting because I managed to, to meet some old friends. My dear old friend Austin Wintry was there. And oh, now nice. we have a kind of tradition, you know, every 10 years we tend to uh, to make a brand new picture. Then we share and maybe in uh, maybe a few more, it's going to be an album, a full album of some sort. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I met uh, uh, amazing fellow composers that I never had a chance to meet before. And a highlight, a true highlight was for me, you know, meeting um, Gustavo Santolala. I don't know if I pronounce the name mm. the oh, right way. Oh, yes. Um, exactly. I was really looking forward to meet him because I've been admiring his music for quite some time. And it was a real pleasure and an honor to shake his hand. So exciting uh, meetings with old friends, making new friends, uh, attending to a, a tremendous video game concert, which was a... Uh, an event it's in all right i believe oh you know beautiful days for the world of video game music awesome <laughs> that's, wonderful yeah that's that's really really cool right so we've just got a set of questions for you um and we're gonna we're gonna fire away if that's okay absolutely shoot away <laughs> sure so we'll start with your work on Baldur's gate 3 massive yeah. massive project jolene is evidently extremely excited um <laughs> i'm on my second playthrough by the way and i'm loving it <laughs> So, as I understand, the game was in development for quite a long period of time, for about six years. And um, just to kick off this conversation, did you start composing the soundtrack from the very beginning of the development phase? Or where, where did you start? Where, where was your starting point in the overall timeline? Okay, uh, being not only the composer, but also I'm the music director of Larian Studios, gives me a unique opportunity and uh, chance to start working on the music right from the start. And I think that's a critically important thing if you would like to immerse yourself and to get connected with the team right from the start. One of the main goals that I said to myself every time that I start new projects is that I promise that the score is going to be fully driven and inspired by the game. And the best way to achieve this very important goal is to be connected with the project right from the start. So going back to your question, I started uh, working with the, with the team right at the beginning um, from the you know uh, project exp exploration phase of the project, having a lot of brainstorming discussions, getting familiar with the scripts, with the, you know with the narrative, um, gameplay mechanics, everything. It's uh, the best way for me to immerse myself into the world to inspire myself and to make sure that, that uh, whatever I produce as a music is going to be fully driven and uh, reflecting the the game itself. So the short answer will be right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's always a privilege, isn't it? And um, yes, not only a privilege. Find... Privilege is uh, just one, uh, you know, half of the uh, half of it. The other half is uh, uh, that's an important thing. The way I um, prefer to approach composing and producing music uh, requires you know being connected right from the start because it, it's 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 uh, not uh, not everything is set in stone if you like and uh, when you, when we're talking about huge game like Baldur's Gate 3 we're talking about a huge world uh, with um, a massive uh, narrative uh, story and this takes definitely time to get familiar with yeah yeah of course absolutely and did you find that having started like you know working on the game from the very beginning were you able to influence the developers in in their side of things with your music this is a really beautiful question because uh, when we're talking about uh, larian studios our team we're this is a very unique team from my perspective i've be, i've been around for quite some time you know i've been developing or working in the video game industry for more than 20 years now and one of the things that I love so much about my team at Larian Studios is that um, we are not only 
inspiring one another, but we are able to share ideas, to influence one another. And a really beautiful example would be the songs in the game. They were heavily inspired and provoked uh, throughout all those different discussions and um, meetings with my fellow directors and fellow game designers, writers, ga uh, and, and of course, our director. So, um, uh, yes, is the answer to your question. And it's uh, part of the charm, part of the magic, if you like, uh, when it comes to developing games at Larian Studios. Yeah. And likewise, that was a beautiful way to put it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I can give you, you know, uh, already a couple of examples, you know, are, you know, coming to my mind for the, the very first, the, in, with the one early in the game with Ophira and Samara later on heavily you know influenced by those discussions and those meetings so yes we are talking discussing and inspiring one another all the time and that's why i think that the game is uh, so reflective of um, the passion of ours if you like because you know i keep repeating myself uh, but um, i cannot stop um, saying that uh, if you want uh, the, the the people to enjoy the the game that we develop we should definitely enjoy the process of its creation. It's as simple as that. Whatever, I mean, no matter how, how beautiful and how deep a game is, it needs to be fun. And fun means that, fun, fun, fun means that the creators should be able to, you know, to enjoy and to reflect their passion. Yeah, totally, totally. totally. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Because like, um, so for those, uh, those who know me, I also wrote, wrote I'm currently writing for like, uh, D and D, which I agree that there's a lot of like back and forth with the creator, and that's the fun part about it. I I I'm guessing you also enjoy that like, uh, collaborative discussions with your uh, with Larian Studios. I would I would see you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> uh, this collaborative you know approach is of the essence. This is the well, you know one of the core pillars, if you like, uh, which we based our uh, of our work on. So cool. Absolutely. Uh, I've got a question about working on this game kind of specifically in the style of game it is because, you know, a lot of people work on video games, but I think few people get to work on games of this scale and also that have like branching choices in the story and games that really adapt to what the players do. Um, and especially in a long form like that. So could you talk about kind of the process of wrapping your head around that, like the type of huge game world there is, the type of choices players have, just kind of the magnitude of the project. That's a really beautiful question again. And uh, the very first thing that comes to mind is that uh, one of the biggest roles and goals that we set to ourselves right uh, from the start is that, uh, you know, we need to, to give as much freedom as possible. The so-called player agency is, uh, again, the essence in our games. One of the most important things that we never lose focus on. And uh, that's why we put so much effort, so much, spend so much time in the polishing our craft and going deep, uh, uh, deeper and deeper and, and, and trying to give uh, as much, not only that, but also uh, the um, details to each and every piece of the game and one of the most important things for us is that we are not dividing the game to you know important and more important and less important part if you know what i mean because there's you know we are all gamers i assume and we are all familiar with the terms like main quest side quests right and uh, uh when we're talking about uh, giving player agency one of the things that we are so very proud of at larian studios is that uh, uh we always put all over our love not only into the main branch of the narrative, but also each and every little part throughout the entire game. So, um, and it pays off, doesn't really matter how many people manage to, to see this branch or to experience the other branch, as long as uh, at the end of the day, you say, we're so very happy that we managed to carve our own story. And as long as you, uh, tell different story as you are sharing your different interesting uh, situations that you found yourself throughout uh, your campaign as a result of your own actions and decisions that's the ultimate reward for us so uh, going back to the topic um, 
the scope is huge and it's a direct reflection of the player agency that's so important for us. Great, yeah. No, I, I, I think that is one of the reasons I think people are so uh, attracted to that game and why so many people gravitate towards it is the level of choice and you know people being able to share different experiences they've had that can vary so much because you put that those type of options into the yeah, game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I can I can give you a favorite example of mine. You know, I I remember vividly. Uh, I was having a conversation with a fellow producer with Larian, he was uh, and he was saying something like this. You know, Ophira is not a main character, you know, so it's a beautiful song. Uh, we were discussing the song back then. I, I, I believe you know what I'm talking about without giving too much spoilers. <laughs> but I don't think that you should go that hard and, uh, you know, spending resources and time for live orchestra recordings for this song in particular, because, you know, that's not a main character or something. And my answer was, but I already did, my friend, and it's going to be <laughs> in the game tomorrow because I love it. And that's what's the most important stuff. And uh, it doesn't really matter how many people are going to listen to this song and, you know, encounter or get to the, you know, to the bottom and to the end of this uh, quest line. Uh, as long as there are a bunch of people going down this branch, that's going to give me a really big satisfaction and it's going to be worth it at the end of the day. Um, uh, on the other hand, whenever you give such big f freedom and when there, the game is full of uh, amazing stuff all over the place, stuff that was uh, a labor of love, of detail, passion and attention to the detail, uh, me as a player, I would, um, you know, I would imagine that if I'm to put myself in the gamers who are going to play the game for the very first time and they know what they are in for, they won't be afraid to explore it would be the other way around. They would be you now eager to explore each and every centimeter of, of the game without dividing their mind with terms like, okay, this is the main quest, those are the side quests, you know, this is something that I've been doing, uh, uh, you know, during my long, long career as a gamer. And I don't like it because ultimately, for me, the most important thing is when I immerse myself in a video game world, I don't want to think about what is important and what's not important. I want just to immerse myself in the world, you know, to take decisions right on the spot, to go on in, in any given direction with all, all of my heart, knowing that something really cool and interesting uh, awaits me right behind the corner, uh, because that's my story. And this is the way I want to shape it. I totally agree on that. And when I played Baldur's Gate, um, I did not feel the rush to finish the main quest. I just wanted to see what happens if you do something good or if you do something naughty because you can be a very very bad character <laughs> or just funny at all times but yes I, I i really like that the pacing of it is so um it's not too fast not too slow it was just perfect and it makes me want to explore more which speaking of uh i wanted to ask about this really cool easter egg so um i had to play a bard character because obviously <laughs> um and then each bard character could play any of the instruments lying around in the realm. So I wanted to ask, um, what was the process of arranging the soundtrack from the list of instruments you can use in the game? As well as, um, I also heard some soundtrack from Divinity Original Sin 2 that you did previously, or I, I don't know. That's, that's why, why I heard when I played. The bard quest is obviously one of my favorite ones for a reason. <laughs> and uh, we are very proud at Larian Studios with this feature where you are able to perform uh, those different instruments alone as a solo musician or with your friends. You can assemble a band and use your imagination to, uh, to extreme levels. You know, I've, I've been constantly surprised with different ways of using or rather abusing the performance <laughs> of the instrument. I can tell you an amusing story. I was, you know, working late uh, in, uh, in, in the afternoon when I get when I got a message from my director Sven Vinke, and he was uh, uh, he was asking me join me so that I can show you how am I earning money by performing music in the bank, or rather, does this qualify as robbing the bank, or is it just me, <laughs> you know, having fun and attracting you know the uh, the people around myself. Or um, another player I, I remember was uh, using, um, as you say, this feature in a not very noble way, or rather as a distraction, as a diversion, 
one of the guys in the party was distracting uh, you know the crowd while the other one was using the distraction to do something naughty as you just said <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that before <laughs> yeah yeah so so that this is one of the things that makes me so very happy about our games and brothers gary in, in particular that uh, um, achieving you know this that and scope would be a would be only a uh, uh, you know possible due to the systemic approach we go for every time so it's not just we we are uh, of course we have plenty of scripted situations but you know the core of the gameplay the core of the, the core of the other mechanics are um, are based on systems including this one so when you have so many systems which interactively work with one another the combinations are countless and this is basically the dna of um our philosophy and our vision to give such a big player's agency, such a big freedom. So they, they, we give you the tools, we give you the world, we give you the detail and let you write your own story within the big arc of the entire game. And it all applies with the music, of course, going back to the topic and one of my favorite classes in the game the bar <laughs> yeah. uh, so even with a, such a you know uh, at first sight simple mechanic like uh, having a chance to play different instruments you can go wild because there are so many different ways to use these to achieve something else in the game because all those systems are designed to interact smoothly with one another allowing you and giving you the chance to come up with something that no one else has ever done before that I totally agree. This is it's so much fun, especially when you play if if you play co-op. Unfortunately, I didn't have anyone to play co-op with, so but it's still you can have fun on your own. still a lot of questions actually, yeah. so I think I will just move on to 11. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the next one's a bit more um, technical, uh, but a lot of our listeners are uh, actually composers or people interested in that side of things too. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about how you um, kept the music dynamic in the game? So I'm talking about the um, adaptive aspect here. Did you work a lot with stems? Um, did you automate a lot of parameters like how, how did you work on, on that particular game one of the things that uh, is is very important in my work is that I'm not only a composer but I'm also music designer and a director of the music which allows me to make sure that all the elements from you know composition point of view right until the end the music implementation are very well connected with one another um, Quite early in my career, I realized that um, I would not be fully satisfied if I am just a composer. Because early in my early days as a music composer, I, I realized that uh, not everything that I compose ends up in a game the way it was supposed to be. And that was the moment I uh, you know, decided to develop myself also as a music designer and as a music director, because that was the right way for me to make sure that whatever music I was composing and producing would be adding maximum value 
to the game it was composed and produced for. Having said all that, um, I work with WISE. I believe that WISE is one of the most powerful tools out there, not only for audio, but also for music. And I believe that there, the possibilities the tools WISE gives to my fellow composers, music producers, and of course, uh, sound designers is endless. I mean, the sky's the limit. And uh, I love spending um, weeks and months into designing, playing around with different systems until the moment I come up with uh, systems that would uh, perfectly serve and uh, reflect the different gameplay mechanics uh, within the, the game. And going back to your question, uh, the, the music system in the game, uh, in Baldur's Gate 3 in particular, um, I designed those systems and uh, they were reflecting directly all the different other systems in the game, the narrative system, the, the combat uh, systems, the gameplay systems, and as a result, uh, we are achieving this coherent uh, harmony throughout the entire game we've been talking about, which gives you the chance to play around with so many different things and so many different choices. Basically, uh, I dare say that uh, whatever comes to mind, it's very likely that you can try it in the game and uh, achieve a totally unexpected result just by playing around with uh, different possibilities. So uh, I, uh, I designed the music systems completely in WISE and I use mixed approach, you know, that uh, they're different to, to put in a very simple way. I believe that my fellow composers who are listening to, uh, to this conversation now know that uh, there are a couple of main approaches like, you know, stems. Uh, the other one is using building blocks. Uh, so my answer would be to your question that I don't use only one approach. Let's say I don't know, I don't focus only on using stems or only building blocks with different transitions between them. I use always a hybrid, a mixed approach, and it's uh, a result of every specific situation I need to address. So uh, again, the answer to your question would be I combine all the different approaches. <laughs> to achieve the result at the end of the day, because especially in a uh, in a game like Baldur's Gate 3, where we have no idea what's going to happen in the very next moment, not only, you know, during your exploration, but also within a within a dialogue, there are so many branches possible in a dialogue that sometimes uh, it's frightening, uh, simply because I would assume that you are familiar with the, the big amount of the cutscenes that we uh, have in, in Baldur's Gate 3. And one of the, the biggest challenges that uh, I had to um, handle during the production process is how I produce and implement music uh, which is not being broken if the, beer, uh, if, the, if, the, if the player decides to crack a beer open on to have a smoke and take all the time in the world before they take the decision which should be their you know, option in the dialogue. They can you know, do anything they like and uh, it's not a linear experience which, uh, where we have, you know, a clean start and ending and a specific time to sing the music to. We're talking about complete freedom in the world, not only during the gameplay, but also within those dialogues, with those, within those cinematic cutscenes. The freedom is still there. So what do you do that, you know, at one side you give the freedom, but on the other side you don't break the immersion, you don't break the flow of the music. So uh, all those things, all those challenges, technical challenges, so to say, for the music implementations have been solved uh, with the help of WISE. One might think that, you know, I'm a distributor of WISE or something, but I'm not. I just love the program. <laughs> <laughs> I guess your history as a as an audio designer came in handy with with all this stuff. No, I, I I'd imagine that not not every composer would be would be able to do like all these these different kinds of things because it's. Yeah, I think I mean, you're right, and this is one of the topics that we've been discussing with my old friend Austin Wintery. That uh, you know um, there is a difference between being a composer in general for media and being. Uh, composer and music produ uh, producer for video games. And uh, I would consider myself not only a composer, but like, you know, video game professional, if you like, not just a composer, because one mm. of the most important things from my perspective, being not only responsible for the creative part of the 
um, of the music, but also from the technical side and, the, and also the direction. One of the most important things is that I need to dive as deep as possible in the game itself, from not only from creative, but also from a technical perspective, because, okay, you are setting the creative goals at the beginning, but then you need to have a crystal clear idea and vision. How are you going to achieve those creative goals from a technical point of view? And uh, there are mm -hmm. basically two options. Option number one, you put your trust on someone else's shoulder. Or option number two, you enjoy the process and you sit down and do it yourself. And I feel like <laughs> the, 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 the second one is uh, more down my valley. And I truly enjoy designing interactive and adaptive music systems. It's so fascinating how you described your workflow with WISE and that it almost seems like it's a toolbox of different processes and techniques which you can just sort of pull out um, and apply anytime. Yeah, and I rarely allow myself to talk about, you know, specific um, techniques in WISE because, you know, you have all the knowledge at your disposal. I mean, if you would like to get familiar with WISE, I would be the last one to give you advice and uh, how to you know to learn the, the tool all the all the all, all the trainings all all the learning materials all the knowledge is there just you know reach out and grab it what i would do for you for my fellow you know composers is just to share my vision about um how to approach on a general level depending on the video on the type of the video game they would like to score um but ultimately yes it's very useful, at least from my perspective, this is what I would uh, I would say, if uh, you're not only proficient as a composer for media and you have an idea how to produce it, divide it in stems or building blocks and bridges in between, but also have an idea how this music is going to be implemented at the end of the day, simply because this is gonna give you another insight and will help you come up with even more interesting ideas during the process of, of the composition and, and the production. This is how I feel. Often I find myself, you know, surprised uh, that, uh, you know, the, the technical perspective, the technical side of the music implementation often gives me or, or rather leads me to creative ideas. It's not just one way process in my side. That might be an interesting detail for you. Uh, and, and, and this is another thing that um, I would also add to, to, to the list with advantages uh, for my fellow composers out there to, to, to get familiar with the technical perspective, especially if they are focused on composing and producing music for video games. Not just to stay focused and never get out of their zone, zone of comfort and uh, trust someone else to do it. They, it's going to be done, of course. They're, professional uh, teams out there but I can promise you guys that if you um, uh, allow yourself to step out of your zone of comfort and uh, learn a little bit more from the technical perspective you will often find uh, yourself surprised that interesting creative ideas could come out as a result as well yeah, definitely. And kind of just bouncing off that, just one more, um, slightly more technical questions. Um, could we perhaps have a quick chat about um, the specifically the deliverables that you put into WISE? So the audio files that you prepare um, for, you know, for a WISE session. Obviously, you know, the we, we hear the music stand in a standalone form on the soundtrack albums and some of them can range from anywhere from like two minutes to four minutes so could you kind of share with us um roughly how long your cues are um in in the in the work process and what's your approach to like you know writing music that's loopable and that that works well in in that sort of setting uh again it really depends on uh, the the game the, the needs that come directly from the game so in some cases, I would uh, have more freedom than other. And uh, for instance, uh, the combat music has very specific requirements because it needs to be loopable, right? Not necessarily um, in the in the technical uh, meaning of the word because I rarely use a perfect loop. That's got to be an interesting detail for you. 
you might have noticed this already. I'm not saying it's a, it's you know it's a good or bad thing. It's just you know a creative decision. You know, uh, it's a decision as uh, of mine from a director's point of view, not 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 so much on not only on from you know uh, composers. Simply because I believe that, th that there would be no problem at all to let a piece of music go to its natural end, to give a few seconds of pause of silence and then play it again. I don't think that it's absolutely necessary to make a perfect loop so it uh, uh, to make the, the players happy and totally immersed. And uh, I really hope that you would agree with me because this is exactly one of the uh, one of those uh, you know many decisions that I uh, took not only for Baros Gate 3 but for Divinity Original Scene 2 as well. I don't go necessarily for you know um, the, the traditional way of composing combat music. Uh, another example would be that I, I not only not do loops all the time but also I make some sudden and unexpected changes so when I'm happy with a piece of music with a combat piece of music which uh, uh, comprises all the different moods that uh, I need to cover within a specific combat then I would sit down I would divide it in different cuts and then I would sit and start thinking how to implement those cuts to work together in a in a coherent and smooth way so that they fully resonate and reflect the players actions and achievements or failures within a combat but again the important thing here is that i'm not so much uh, thinking about the technical uh, perspective i'm uh, way more focused on uh, first covering the the, the needed uh, nuances and colors in the music itself and i uh, and, and and then i don't strive to to stay so much faithful to the to the dogmas, to the to the rules, to the general rules, like the one, okay, you need to have perfectly looping cues. Not at all. I don't care if it's going to loop or not. Uh, as long as, uh, you know, it covers all the different uh, moods and, and helps you to enhance the player's experience and, and fully reflects what is going on in the combat, I'm perfectly happy. Of course, it needs to be implemented in a way that it's it feels nice. There are no abrupt, you know, uh, parts and it's a smooth and nice experience but again I would uh, rather imagine myself sitting in the concert room enjoying a really beautiful theatrical uh, <laughs> performance with uh, all the different changes certain once in a while and that would be my way of thinking and creating the the, uh, the, the implementation rather than everything needs to be 25 seconds perfect loop um, you know, five different stems that uh, needs to be going up and down depending on this and that. No, I have a very custom, very specific approach to each and everything that I do in the game. Um, and at the same time, make sure that all those custom setups are part of a big systemic approach. So it's a very hybrid thinking and very unorthodox, I would say probably for you but uh, this is how I love composing and implementing music because ultimately <laughs> again I, I, I keep using the word ultimately but let's say the most important thing for me is that the music is uh, uh, is high quality the music needs to be high quality mm. yeah totally and we, that, we love listening that, to yes. unorthodox uh, approaches and techniques I mean it just <laughs> it adds it's a very mixed one yeah. yeah it's a very yeah. very mixed one but if you want me to put it in a single sentence it would be a heavily hybrid score I mean I basically use all the all the trends all the different approaches with the, you know the vertical approach the horizontal approach you know the, the in the matrix approach to in the with building blocks and bridges you name it I use it <laughs> yeah well i'd like to ask you i think we'd all like to ask you kind of a fun question which is jolene talked about playing a bard and <laughs> um we're just wondering if you were a bard or if you played a bard what instruments do you choose and what instruments do you think maybe would be added to the game if you could add an instrument to the game what do you think it would be well i love playing strength instruments 
And uh, for that reason, my you know obvious choice, the first choice of mine would be I would be playing loot. I would be pl uh, playing loot because I I, I I have a huge collection in real life. I love um, uh, collecting stringed instruments from all over the world. And uh, if you're familiar with uh, um, Divinity Original Sin 2, you might know that uh, there I used another stringed instrument called Tambura. Its origin is... Uh, the country I was born in. I live in Sofia, which is the capital of Bulgaria, and uh, one of the most um, famous and ancient uh, instruments is called tambour. But it's again part from the guitar family, so the answer would be my first choice would be, of course, lute, which is the uh, you know the the grandfather of of the modern guitar. Uh, what I, I I would love to add as many instruments as possible. I I I really don't know which one, but uh, I don't know. I love hurdy gurdy. By the way, if we're talking about the fantasy sound, that's one of my favorite instruments. Uh, so that's something that I would definitely love to to have, have in the game. And uh, if you're familiar with um, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 gameplay. One of the, the things that I'm so very proud of is that we gave the chance to select one of your instruments right at the beginning of the game. Not only customize your character, your combat skills, your you know um, uh, spells and everything, but also you're given the chance to select uh, your instruments, which is supposed to be shaping your soundtrack with specific uh, colors in your campaign. That's actually one of the questions we want to ask. <laughs> well, I want to ask because I really like the game so much, especially the implementation. But we'll leave it for later, I guess. Um, I think we're going close to DOS. Too, yes, very soon, so, so yeah. I was just about to segue our conversation into uh, Divinity, Original Sin number two. Um, obviously another huge um, game and huge franchise as well and just to kick off this conversation um i have noticed in i mean in both Baldur's gate and divinity there seems to be quite a strong folk element in both of these scores um with the use of you know specific folk instruments and ouds and all of that um and yeah so just you know about about your background and what what you've heard and, and what you're inspired by could you share more about your research in these folk genres and what types of folk music inspire you? I love folk music and one of the things that I always do right at the start of a project uh, is I love traveling and every time I start a new project I would go to a brand new location that's a tradition of mine I had never been before up, up until that point and I come back home with a lot of new ethnic folk instruments uh, this is one of the ways, you know, I uh, get inspired. I really love the sound of different instruments. And uh, this is one of the reasons I have a collection of different stringed instruments. And I also um, tend to, to collect woodwind instruments, even though I don't play the woodwind instruments, but I would give those to my fellow musicians I work with. But nevertheless, uh, uh, it gives me such a satisfaction and such an inspiration that uh, I know that if I get a couple of brand new folk instruments that I've never played before, it's going to be a start of a really beautiful new new direction. And this is what exactly I uh, I've been doing for the, in the course of the past 15 years, even more. Uh, I ever since I bought the very first folk instruments of mine more than 20 years ago, this turned into a tradition, and um, I do it absolutely every time. Because I know that when I get the instruments with the very first chord, the very character of the instruments, uh, I, will, I will get inspired in a specific way. And, and I'm going to feel something that I had never felt before.
I was introduced to your music by my partner actually. He 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 let me. Uh, well, he asked me to play DOS 2 with him, co-op mode. And the one part that was very difficult for me to choose is what instruments I want for my character. <laughs> so could you kind of tell us the thought process of implementing this feature? Okay, so uh, this we came with this idea. Came up with this idea right right at the start. So. Uh... I was talking with our director, Sven Vinke, who is the creative director and uh, the founder of Larian Studios. And the moment we were discussing the, the foundation of the soundtrack, this uh, idea came very early in the stage of the development. And he was so very happy with, with the idea. I was at that time fully around and I had prepared a simple but very spectacular demo where you are able interactively to change the music instruments uh, even within a combat that uh, we took the decision that it would be really fantastic if we make this because correct me if i'm mistaken but um i haven't seen in any other role-playing game giving you the chance to select uh, music instruments right at the start which is going to influence your soundtrack experience colors in a way uh, so once uh, we were so happy with the idea and uh, I got the green light, go Bobby, do it. It's really exciting. We're gonna, it's gonna make us all happy. Then of course I had to decide what would those instruments be. And uh, I wanted to achieve two things. Not only, uh, you know, give a choice of instruments that were exotic and uh, less known to the public and to the audience and to our fellow gamers, but also to put some instruments that uh, would make some of the people at home. And that's why I came up at the end with a combination with uh, 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 ethnic folk instruments like the Indian Bansuri or the Bulgarian Tambura or the Arabic Oud. But uh, on the other hand, cello is something that would make everyone feel at home. So if you would like to go with something that is more woolwind oriented, no, no problem at all. We can grab the bansuri. If you would like to, to get something that uh, is more of, you know, part of the guitar family, be our guest. And if you would like to stay more close to the classical roots of your childhood, or simply because you love the beautiful sound and deep of the cello, of course, you're given the chance. So uh, this mixture of uh, folk and classical um, instruments uh, uh, was something that I wanted to, to achieve right at the start. And this is how the decision was taken. And uh, later on, all the compositions were composed and produced in a way that uh, they would nicely incorporate all the different instruments. And one of the things that made me so very happy when I uh, draw the line at the end of the production was that uh, each and every one of those instruments uh, was giving a unique color, a unique uh, flavor. It was still the same composition, but still it could touch you, it could provoke you in a different way. I hope that you managed to, to experience this yourself. I did, I did. I totally love it, especially when we, when my character makes a kill and then I used a bunch, I used a bunch of instruments. I, it had like a really cool troop. And I'm like, yes, I killed that person. I yeah. license. Yeah. And of course it's a completely different, you know, sound and emotion if you do the same thing, but your instruments of choice is cello, for instance, because cello has a completely different nature and sound in comparison to Bansui, right? Yes, I agree. Actually, I play. I used the bansuri. My my partner, because we were playing co-op, he was using the oud. So <laughs> it was so. So basically, it was an interactive band. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it actually inspired me on my own composition, especially when doing D and D, for instance. Um, my 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 uh, my friends, not my friends, my <laughs> technically my employers say mm. they wanted more interactiveness like a character with having their own instruments. So I was like, I'm going to listen to more Boris Love's music because that's that's the way to go. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> no worries. Um, I think we have our last question. By Staying with the uh, Divinity franchise. Um, many years ago, uh, I played the original like Divinity 2 that was scored by um, Kirill Pokrovsky, which was your predecessor. Um, so, uh, how how was it like? He sadly passed away. How how um, was it taking over 
over that that franchise um were there any inspiration you took from the previous games or were you like saying we we, we kind of make a clean cut and, and start anew what was your concept when when doing that well there was a huge inspiration coming from Kiro simply because uh, um I'm a huge fan of Kiro's music. Basically, before I joined Larian Studios, uh, um, I was playing each and every game the team was producing. And uh, I was very familiar with Kiro's music. And uh, when I heard the news about him passing away, it was a very, very sad news. And it took me more than half a year, maybe longer, before I found the courage to get in touch with Larian Studios and offer them my heart and my skills. But going back to your question, um, when I was starting to, to score Divinity Original Sin 2, this was one of the first questions. How to stay faithful to the music of Kirill Pokrovsky while helping the soundtrack go to, the, go to make the, the, the next step forward in the franchise? And uh, what I did was something quite simple. But I was listening to Kyrgios music all the time. I was, I, I would, you know, every time when um, um, I, I would compose a brand new piece of music, out one of the things I would think, what would Kyrgios do? And the best way for me, you know, to, to you know, to find an answer for myself would to to enjoy one of his soundtracks, to immerse myself, to inspire myself, and this is how I tried to reflect Kyrgios music into. From the very, from from the previous installments of Divinity series into Divinity Original Sin 2, not just by mimicking, but ju but just by inspiring myself, because I was thinking about it, and there were two options. Option number one to try to mimic and to imitate, if you like, the soundtrack style, which was introduced mm -hmm. by Kiel. But very soon I realized that it was not possible or close to to impossible because uh, Kiel was absolutely unique with his style of composing. I don't think that uh, that would be a, a good approach. And now even more so, years after Divinity Original Sin 2 is out, I'm very happy that, that I took this, this decision because I realized that even though if I managed to, to achieve a, a good imitation, it would still not be the real deal, if you know what I mean. It would still be, but, but a, you know, a, a shadow of the style and the magic that Kiryu was able to, to produce and to create. And that was the moment I said, okay, uh, I'm not going to, to imitate, I'm not going to mimic, but I'm going to stay faithful to his music just by closely staying connected with the music, listening to the music all the time. Whenever, you know, I can tell you several instances uh, right away where, you know, I was... I was exploring and I was asking what would be the best approach to, you know, to, to compose music for this scene or for this case. Uh, and uh, what I would do, I would sit down, I would listen to some of the Kyrgios music and uh, feel inspired, then grab a guitar and compose something new, uh, which was soaked with the, the, the same emotion. And I, and, 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 I, and, I, and I would dare say that um, quite a lot of the vibe Kirill's music was charged, then was reflected in those two music this way. Uh, I really hope that uh, if you listening to Divinity Original Sin 2 soundtrack would get those moments I'm talking about, those moments that you know kind of transcend you and uh, bring you back and give you this uh, uh, you know connection with the previous installment in the series. Yeah. I unfortunately haven't been able to, to play it yet, but now that you're talking about it, I, I definitely want to. Yeah, I know Jolene's shaking her head. It's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But again, again, uh, the thing is that I'm not very keen on uh, this imita uh, imitation game, this mimicking yeah. ap approach. This is not something that uh, I enjoy and I believe in. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. Don't get me wrong. There are many talented fellow composers of mine who are totally able to, you know, to immerse themselves in a specific style and to cre recreate it. But I'm not one of those guys. You know, this is it. I, I would rather be honest and open rather than trying to, to do something that's not my forte and that's not my thing because I don't want to fool anyone. I just want, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, to fully experience the passion that uh, I felt 
by immersing into the product and then reflecting it in my music rather than imitating something and trying to to come up with something closer and that that's that's how i took this i agree probably the most important decision yeah definitely I, it, it seems to be seems to have been a, a good decision because the fans are celebrating what you are bringing to the table as well so it's kind of pay, paid off doing this yeah and it greatly helped me uh one of the things that uh, helped me the most was that i was a huge fan i was a huge fan mm -hmm. i i i i knew every single cue by heart and still i kept playing the music all the time whenever i felt i needed to inspire myself and to keep the connection alive and um personally for me i, I believe i achieved it i don't know how you know the people out there feel about it because i uh, i don't uh, hear this question often but from, from my perspective, I believe that that was a good way uh, to stay connected to my predecessor, to, to, to our beloved Kiro and his, uh, uh, and his honest and genuine approach for, for composing music. Because I believe that what we share in common with Kiro was our genuine approach for, for, for composing music. The most important thing is to feel it. I mean, if we don't feel it, if we are not happy, if we cannot move ourselves, if we cannot enjoy the process of creation, if we don't feel the passion, how do we expect someone else to be moved or excited about it? And this is uh, uh, the thing that I, you know, I, I never had a chance to meet him, but I, now deep down inside, I'm, I'm like 100% convinced that this is something we truly share that with him. was beautiful. I think that's all our questions. Thank you oh, so much. Yeah, that, was, Thank a, you so that much. was a beautiful way to end the conversation. That was so cool. That was a really was good so conversation. Cool. <laughs> Where's Luke? He wanted to say the ending now with the composer's underscore. We're inserting all the underscores nowadays. Hey, uh, so well, wait, wait, let, me, let me get. Uh, I thought you can say hey. Uh. All right, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at composers underscore in underscore a underscore jukebox. We've got loads of more interesting episodes cooking in the edit, which we can't wait to share. Subscribe to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts to be notified of future episodes.